a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue The birds are singing, I got nothing to do Hey, 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 hey It's a sunny day Sunny day now My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare But call me illogical, I just don't care Hey, hey, hey It's just a sunny It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. And it is one of the most beautiful times of day to be here at the Triad Center, Ton, and watch the sun come up over the mountain and the buildings. Just gorgeous. It is beautiful out there today. Driving in, you got to see the sunrise. This weekend, downtown Salt Lake's a little bit crowded because of the All-Star Weekend. Just but around the Vivint. Just, yeah, just around <laughs> Vivint. I had to park in a different spot this week, but it was okay. And, you know, just a beautiful day. Yeah, beautiful weekend for the All-Star Weekend. So come down and enjoy the festivities. Take tracks, though. That, that's my advice to you. Uh, starting out the morning, Tom, we wanted to start out with the plan of the week, which is I asked for African violets. African violets have always been one of my favorite houseplants. They're just so beautiful. They have kind of those furry leaves and then the really pretty purple flowers or white flowers, depending on uh, which variety you choose. But I've never had very much success growing them. And they're widely available. You usually can find them at any of your box stores or nurseries or wherever. African violets are a houseplant that will uh, bloom most of the year if they're in the right conditions and as the name implies they're native to Africa and they are native in forest areas where they never get a lot of sunlight, but they do require bright filtered light. And that's one of the main conditions. If they're not blooming, it's either too much or too little light and it's usually too little. Mm -hmm. Well, my mother-in-law used to grow them and she had them in her living room and they were just always so beautiful and and thriving. And mine would just barely make it and hers would just have this beautiful foliage that would kind of overflow the plant, uh, the pot of the plant. And I'm like, I'm just not doing well. So, okay, light. And what other conditions do they need? Well, they need a little bit higher humidity also. So when you have an African violet pot, it should have drainage holes in the bottom. And then what you're going to do is put it in a pebble tray so you can get these little inexpensive dishes from garden mm-hmm. centers and Home Depot in the houseplant section that or you put the pot inside and it collects the water so it doesn't drip all over. But you cannot have the pot sitting in standing water. And so you fill that tray up with just a little bit of gravel and then set the pot on top of it and put a little water in the bottom of that pebble tray and make sure that it stays in there because the African violets require a little bit higher humidity than we have. And so I, the other thing with the light is that during the winter, a south or a west window is ideal. And then in the summer, 
an east or north window. Mm. And so they're one that it's not that they require a lot of work, but you know, they're they're a hobby plant and once you figure out some of those requirements, you can just move them to an appropriate appropriate place. The other thing, you know, people are growing them in terrarium sometimes. And so if you have grow lights in a terrarium or like a bench that you would germinate seeds on for your vegetable garden or flower garden, those will work quite well to just maintain them too. Mm-hmm. Pebble tray. I've never done that with a house plant. There well, was my one of my problems. It could be. And so some other things with them, and I'm making them sound quite wimpy, and it's just more that they have some a needs. More sensitive. Yeah, a little more sensitive. Yeah. So at night, they don't... They have needs. Yes, they have needs. <laughs> they have needs. Yes. And so at night, you don't want to get them below 60 degrees, preferably around 65. And then during the day, they want to be about 70 to 75. And so if you're trying to grow them in a basement room where it's always a little bit chilly, they might do okay. But if it's dropping below 60, that can cause deformed growth and just make it so that they don't flower a lot. So the temperatures are another one. Then fertilizer, you know, that's the other thing because they bloom most of the summer Mm -hmm. or most of the year. They need to be fertilized. And depending on the kind of fertilizer, it can be every six weeks, say if you're using like a liquid 20-20-20, or if you're using just a standard houseplant fertilizer, you would want to use it at half strength every other time you water. You saw me roll my eyes. Well, there's the problem right there. Fertilizer. Not the greatest of fertilizing houseplants. No, and a lot of them don't really need it as long as they're transplanted every I year. I figure I water you once a week. You should be good. Yeah, and the African violets, like I said, they're just more... A little more needy. Yeah, a little more needy. It's almost like you have a little puppy, but the reward from those flowers is just... They're so pretty. Yeah, the flowers and the leaves. And then I've seen them in pink and purple and white... I think that's all the varieties. Yeah, pink, purple, white. There's violets out there. There's kind of reddish purple. I guess that's almost violet. There's several hundred varieties. I don't get beyond. According to the article you posted on Facebook, several hundred Yeah, I don't really get beyond the eight Crayola colors you get in (laughs) kindergarten. but Uh, It's a very beautiful house plant. So if you have a little extra time and you're a hobbyist and uh, you're willing to make sure you fertilize it and it has the pebble, pebble tray and you move it. From one side of the house to the other, you're going to be good. Yeah, you're going right? to be good. And these are something that if you like to fiddle with plants and just kind of futz around in the house with them, and I think that they make a great little hobby. You know, they're not – the investment isn't so high that you have hundreds of dollars, you know, to get started, but they are just finicky enough that you need to just keep up with them. And But if you do, they're – quite beautiful. I'm pretty certain my mother-in-law spoke to them because hers were truly beautiful and I didn't see any pebble tray. So No, and that's just one that we had several, it's been five or six years ago, but we had somebody that had several in our office and they were just sitting on a counter, but we had a nice um, west-facing window mm. 10 or 15 feet away plus fluorescent bulbs and so it was enough light. And so it's not that you have to have all these But if you bring them home and after a couple of months they're struggling a bit and they're not flowering, you know something's off. All right. 
We're going to take a break. Come back with your calls and your questions. Robert is already on the line. He's up next. You can call us 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Text us at 57500. Robert is on the line in Midway, bright and early. Good morning, Robert. Uh, hi, good morning. What can we help you uh, with? Up here, up here in Midway, uh, I've got about four feet of snow in the backyard, and um, I have a couple of uh, blue spruce and a couple of Austrian pine, and the deer are here in abundance, and they've eaten the needles, especially off the pines, um, up to about, oh golly, eight feet, the lower eight feet. And my question is, uh, do those needles come back, or should I just plan on cutting those branches off, uh, or um, any hope for those? Well, if they are eaten to the point that there are no green needles left, then they're not going to grow back. And then you just probably cut those limbs back to the trunk and go from there. Uh, should I be cutting those off now or, or it doesn't matter. Wait um, till the snow's gone. Doesn't either matter. way. Yeah, well, it doesn't see. matter. If you see deer eating spruce, you know, they're starving yeah. because spruce are it's not that they're super toxic, but they don't like the spruce. And if they're to that point, there's a lack of food. Uh, yeah, there we've never seen this many deer, um, but there's been a lot of snow. Uh, if I could ask one more quick question. Yeah, go ahead. The um, So we just had Valentine's Day. I've always wanted to ask um, the little packets they give you when you buy cut flowers to um, pour the granules in with the cut flowers. What is that, and it, does it do any good? It Research shows that it may not do much, but it's not harming anything. And there's supposed to be nutrients and maybe even some carbohydrates or sugars to get into this the flowers to help them last longer. And I've usually added them. You know, I don't know that I see much of a difference. The trick to cut flowers is to, once you get them home, cut the stems so that you have a fresh wound and then immediately get them in water because the when they are shipped in, 
you know, they're not in water and that will start to scar off a little bit and they won't absorb a lot. And so when I get those flowers home, you know, you usually need to cut them to size them for the vase. But even if they're at a size you want, I will cut a half of an inch off of them so that they can absorb water well. Okay, good. Thank right. you much. Robert, thanks for your call this morning. Our next listener, Ton, I'm feeling a little bit like I'm being scolded. Um, they wanted to chime in about the African violets. Uh, they say there are pots for African violets. The water is in the bottom of that two-piece pot. You can put the water in once a week, put fertilizer in the water, and you're done. And they're easy to care for, no time at all. That's all good. Maybe I've been scolded too. Well, and, and I will admit I'm not the best with fertilizer. So when we run out of fertilizer, it, you know, it takes me a couple of weeks to get it at the store. Yeah. And it's really about my time more than anything yeah. else. And, but you still have to have the, it in the right spot. So You do. If you don't have the right spot, spot they will not bloom. But, yeah, they, are the, they really are a beautiful houseplant. Uh, next listener says they have a 20-year-old asparagus patch. They inherited it. It's full of weeds. Um, they do manage to harvest a few stalks each year. How can they improve that patch? Pull the weeds out. I I don't know but what else. But how do you to, do that when it's all interspersed within the asparagus? You probably just are going to need to go in and just carefully dig pull, them out. Dig well, and just or even if you over? cut mm. at ground level a couple of times, you know it's it is going to be a little difficult. They could after they're done harvesting the spears. You know, you harvest those until they are about the size or the width of a pencil. And when they reach that point, they're running out of energy and you need to let them regenerate. And so at that point, they could apply a pre-emergent like Treflan, you know, clean it out, put the Treflan in, and that would help at least suppress the weeds. Mm -hmm. But short of just going out there around the asparagus and just hand pulling carefully, I don't know what to tell them. Right, because you don't want chemicals around your asparagus. No, definitely not. And that's why you're using the Treflan after they're done, you're done taking the spears. All right. Darren is on the line in Logan. Good morning, Darren. Good morning. Hey, my question is um, a two-part question. Uh, I know that we're supposed to start pruning the trees, like the apple trees. Um, but we're a negative uh, 11 degrees in the mornings most of the time uh, here in Logan, and we still have, like uh, Midway does, uh, a good foot and a half to two feet of snow on our lawn. Uh, Should I wait until March, hopefully when the uh, snow melts a little bit, to prune my apple trees or – or should I start doing it now in mid, mid-February? mid You are two weeks later on your timing than the Wasatch Front. And so when I'm recommending mid-Mar or mid-February for apples and pears, Cache County, Midway, the Wasatch back is going to be closer to early March on that pruning. And then if you do happen to have any stone fruits, those would be early April. And so just delay two to three weeks as compared to the Wasatch Front, depending on where you're at up there. You know, Logan City, the East Bench, you know, going through Hyde Park, North Logan, you know, then you're going to be two weeks. But if you're in the valley floor, you know, then you're going to probably be three weeks. So I also, the leaves did not drop this year like they have in years past. Is that an issue or? It can be. 
it could be that it got cold before they had the opportunity to go completely dormant. Apples are usually fairly tough and they should relieve, but all you can do at this point is be patient and watch and see what happens. You know, by early to mid-March, you should start to see some bud swell. And if you're seeing, even if the leaves are still attached, but where the leaves do attach, if you have swollen buds, then you're going to be okay. All right. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your call this morning. Uh, Next person says, Ton, they are really good at growing tomato plants, but not tomatoes. They just get lots of green ones, and they want to know what they should do. That's usually too much water and or too much fertilizer. And so the tomatoes, you want to water them a couple of times a week once they're established to a depth of six inches to a foot and then put some sort of mulch over the top of them. And then on the fertilizer, download Utah State University's fact sheet on fertilization because it'll have you put maybe a little bit in when you plant and then three or four weeks later, and then you kind of just back off. And so I would download, it's free, get USU's fact sheet on growing tomatoes. Just Google USU and tomatoes in the garden, and that'll give you some instructions and hopefully you'll get some tomatoes. Yeah, I made that mistake with a big container, Don, uh, and have had these big, beautiful, two big, beautiful celebrity plants that just never produced tomatoes. Big, beautiful plants, though. Yeah, and that's just the nitrogen in those fertilizers causes a lot of green growth and inhibits flower production. All right, we're going to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. The number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.